The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. It is true, seven minutes after seven o'clock, a Monday evening. Good to have you along. Let's get this happening. It's 416 870 6400, the number to call in in the Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show. Our good pal Andrew Goldberg here is, uh, is taking all of your questions and answering them. So bring those on the phone lines ready to go. Emails help uh, at uh, employmentlawyer.ca is the way you want to do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and to reach out to Andrew or a member of the crew when we're not doing the show. That's a easy contact as well. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred on the show this evening. Lots to get through, including everything you need to know about termination for cause and dealing with criticism, discipline, and bad performance reviews. If we get to all that between your phone calls, but as mentioned, they are always the first priority. So, so bring them on. But the week that was, pal, what's going on with you? Hey, how's it going, John? Good man, I'm alright. Good, good. Well, I wanted to discuss briefly, um, you know, what's been all over the news is General uh, Jonathan Vance and the allegations raised against him, of course, right? And, uh, you know, since that happened, we've been getting, you know, flooded with calls from individuals uh, concerned about sexual harassment in the workplace. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, sexual harassment is something that continues to be a very prevalent issue, uh, even before these allegations against uh, General Vance we receive calls on a virtually a daily basis uh, from people who have been subjected to, you know, sexual harassment in the workplace. So, you know, I wanted to speak for a few moments uh, just about kind of some of the do's and don'ts. Uh, if you're an individual who's experiencing this kind of thing, because, you know, oftentimes our job becomes very tricky uh, when people don't do the right things. And, and, you know, obviously, People aren't going to know what those things are unless we're here to help them with that. And, and you know, that's why I wanted to take this opportunity to touch on a few of those issues. Uh, and it's especially a concern when the harasser is, you know, someone in a position of power, is a manager, director, or even owner of the company. So I wanted to just briefly touch on some things. If you're listening out there and, you know, you're concerned about how you're treated um, from, you know, being sexually harassed in the workplace and even harassed in other ways, verbally, uh, violently, um, it, it's not limited to sexual harassment, but this is something that's come up uh, quite a bit lately. So the first thing I wanted to touch on quickly was to make sure if you're listening to this, that you paper your concerns. The biggest mistake someone makes is everything uh, is verbal. Everything's a verbal discussion between the harasser and the harassee, and it's never captured in a communication. So what's integral if you're experiencing harassment in the workplace is that you make sure you document your concerns in an email so that there's a paper trail, that there's a recording. Uh, you don't want to get into a he said, she said type of situation. Uh, the same thing would apply with text messages, call logs, voicemails, anything you have on your phone or, or your computer, your smartphone, whatever, that relates to the allegations keep those. Do not delete those messages. Do not delete those call logs. Uh, do not delete those voicemails, especially if you have an iPhone or something like that. Sometimes uh, after a while, your call log you know, gets replaced by more current uh, calls. So make sure you screenshot that stuff 
and, and keep it there because this is all going to come in handy. And, and the one thing that can't be stressed enough is, you know, make sure if you have any concerns at all, just speak to an employment lawyer. It's very simple. Uh, you're better off doing it sooner than later in the process. And that employment lawyer can give, give you excellent advice. I mean, the sooner someone comes to me with concerns about a mistreatment in the workplace, the better because I can help them, you know, do the right things so that if we want to pursue uh, their entitlements, whether it be severance or, you know, uh, human rights damages or, or whatever, that they're doing the right things. It's very well captured um, on paper so that, you know, our, our case is, is made out for us there. So, you know, just those are just some words of wisdom because I know there's a lot of people going through it. They're embarrassed sometimes with right or wrong. And, you know, you just want to make sure that uh, you're doing the right thing so that you can get the help uh, that exists out there. 416-870-6400 is a number we use and you should use to call in for the show again this evening. Jackie, thanks for uh, standing by for a moment. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Excellent. What's uh, What's on your mind? What's your question? So um, I work in a dental office, and we were closed down at the beginning of the pandemic for three months. So we all got laid off and um, had to go on CERB. And then we were all called back in June, and one of the girls did not come back. Um, She has chosen to do online schooling with her son, and all the schools are open now. He could go back to school. He's 10, but she has kept him home. And so we've had hardly any contact with her. Um, we do work Saturdays, but she hasn't offered to work any Saturdays. And I just wonder, do we have to keep her job? Like this is going okay, to go so on you're... probably till the government run stops doing the money. Okay. So okay. So you're 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 you know speaking from the employer's perspective. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you know. And she obviously, in her role, did you say she was a hygienist or? Um, She's front desk, receptionist. She's front desk. Okay. So, I mean, look, you know, if schools are open and she can send her son to school, uh, that, you know, a preference to have her son do online learning and be home while he's doing the online learning is not at all necessarily something you have to agree to permit her to do, right? Okay. So, you know, the, fir- the first thing is, you know, is there a certain type of accommodation she needs? Maybe there's a specific uh, situation regarding her son where even though schools are open for most children to go to, he in particular cannot go, right? For maybe a health reason or otherwise that, uh, you know, frankly, you're not aware of her uh, at this time, right? So the, so the first thing um, would be, and, you, and you'd have to do it delicately, but to canvas what, you know, whether there's a need from an accommodation perspective to allow her son, uh, you know, to be home. And then on top of that, even if her son uh, required to be home, she would still need to canvas uh, alternate, um, you know, childcare methods before just stating, you know, full out, oh, I'm staying home with my son. This is what I want to do because that's my preference. She would have to see if there's other uh, avenues available for her to, you know, with respect to maybe family or babysitter, daycare, whatever, someone to watch her son so that she can attend work. Okay. But 
if some of those things did exist, it's possible that for sure that you would have to accommodate her on the basis of, of what's called family status because of her childcare obligations. So really right. you would need additional information. If none of that stuff existed, uh, you know, certainly you could treat her job as, uh, you know, treated her to have abandoned her job and that's simply just a resignation, so to speak. It wouldn't be a termination. The key is that you just want to make sure you're doing that the right way and you're communicating things the right way and you're getting the correct information. Because if you push too hard on certain things, it could be discriminatory in just the questions you're asking, right? So you just right. have to be careful. Um, but certainly based on kind of a preliminary overview of just what you've said at the outset of uh, the call, th there certainly is you know, some room there where it does seem very possible that you don't have to allow her to keep doing this. I would just recommend, you know, giving us a call so we could go through some of the details and maybe walk you through the steps to best approach it, if that makes sense. It does. Um, so, like, when we got laid off, I, I was listening to your program um, last week, and I heard something about severance pay. Were we all supposed to be getting severance pay? Well, for individuals who are being placed on a layoff, uh, very many of them can treat their employment as being terminated, okay? I mean, there's a whole analysis that goes into that, you know, whether they have contracts um, that permits the employer to put them on a temporary layoff, whether they've been on a temporary layoff before. Uh, those two things are huge factors. If neither of those things exist, then an employee uh, very well might have a strong argument to say, well, I've never agreed to this layoff. I'm treating this as a termination, a constructive dismissal, we call it, and, and then pursue their severance, okay? Right. But right. there will be some situations where if you know some establishments were ordered completely shut down by the government exactly. and it's not a situation where well you know we're operating at 92% capacity so let's lay off you know two of these 80 workers and and we'll leave it at that right yeah yeah um, no it was a total shutdown so yeah, you'd, you'd more likely have a ver an argument as an employer in that case to say, no, these, these layoffs did not amount to a termination. But again, you know, what matters as well is at some point the shutdown ended and, and you were able to reopen. And at that point, okay, was everyone recalled? Who was recalled? And you could, you'd look into that kind of thing. But it seems from your example, I, I don't know if this is just an entirely a side point, but from your example, the first individual wanted to be home. So I don't think that's a problem with her. Um, right. Maybe just other employees. Yeah, actually, that it's not a problem with anybody. I just wanted to double check on that. Um, so in my eyes, I do believe that if she wasn't able to be getting the money from the government, she'd be back at work. She would have figured it out. But it's, it's too easy to just sit home and collect your $2,000. For, for sure. I mean, it's very yeah. easy for a lot of people. Uh, especially when CERB uh, was around because it didn't take into account how much money you normally made. I had people who spoke to me, they were making, you know, $300 a week, but we're now getting 500 on CERB to not work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I could, I could certainly appreciate, uh, you know, why people would be motivated to just stay at home and bank the money. Um, but, but I, again, you're, I'm not saying you're incorrect at all. It's just about approaching it the right way to get that information to canvas, you know, is it is there a childcare uh, obligation that you need to accommodate? And if so, what else has she canvassed in terms of, uh, you know, abiding by her end of the accommodation? Because it's not all on the employer. They have to make efforts too to try to make things happen. 
Jackie, appreciate the call. We gotta we gotta fly and take a break. Here's how to reach out to Andrew after the show. We're going forward. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Please don't hesitate to do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Real civil. We'll continue employment law show right here. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. On Global News Radio. Yeah, that guy's right. 416-870-6400. That is the number two call. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You want to reach out through email anytime as well. Bahram, hello. Good evening. How are you? Thanks for standing by for a few minutes. How are thank, you tonight? Thank you. What's going on? Well, um, I've been working for a company for more than 26 years. And during the COVID-19 uh, uh, I, I I have been laid off in this year, uh, last year, two times, one in April and one in December 21. The first time I went back on work after COVID-19 layoff was August 16. And then after that, I worked until December 21. And then they laid me off again. And uh, while the rest of the gang are working, they told me they don't have enough hours for me. And if they give me hours, only maybe uh, 12 hours or four hours per week. And based on the business, they may give me more hours later. But they said, if you go on unemployment, it's, uh, you will get uh, $2,000 better. Anyway, they laid me off temporary because that's, I thought it's better for me because I get at least $2,000 a month. And they are paying for my medical ins- insurance, health, dental, and those type of things. But I'm not sure how long they can uh, extend this layoff until when. Because in the Internet, I read that they can drag it for 50, uh, 35 weeks within a period of 52 weeks if they pay for my health insurance. So, it, and I'm getting EI at the moment, and I don't know if uh, if I get EI for a long time, does it going to affect my servants pay later if they pay me a servants pay? And uh, these are the things that I don't know exactly if, if they can answer my question. <clears throat> Hi, well, well, thank you for your question. So the first point I want to make is you said uh, that the rest of the gang uh, wasn't put on a layoff. So does that mean you're the only person in the whole company or in your department? Uh, you know, w- what do you mean by that? Can you just elaborate? Well, for example, uh, the first layoff, uh, they just, uh, they all, everybody got an email and they said on temporary layoff. But the, the second time, when my manager talked to me, he, he, uh, I asked him specifically that, is it for everybody? He said, yes. Then I said, why, how come then they don't give us email? And then he didn't answer me and he said, uh, then I am going to send you an email. I'm going to talk to the like his supervisor or area manager. And then after that, when I talked to other employees, uh, everybody is still at work and they're working full time. The one that they are at the same position as me. And, okay. Uh, and I, what I position? What position is that? Sorry. Uh, I'm a I'm a licensed optician. Okay. So, I mean, okay. Based on what you're telling me, and, and I am the most senior person in that in that store. 
Okay. So based on what you're telling me, uh, the first thing is, you know, even though you did have a layoff in April of 2020, because everyone was laid off at that time, whereas in December you were singled out on your own and there is work to be done and everyone is still working but you, assuming that that's all accurate, uh, you, you very likely would have a strong argument uh, to say that, you know, you don't have to accept this layoff and, and you can treat this layoff as a termination um, and pursue uh, your severance entitlements now, okay? And the reason for that is in most situations, an employer does not have the right to put its employees on a temporary layoff. And um, it would depend on whether you signed a contract before and also whether you've been laid off in the past. Now, in this case, you have been laid off in the past, but only in a, at a time when everyone was laid off. So I think you could probably make a good argument that that's a bit of a different situation than now where you're being singled out. Uh, so it's very likely, sorry. Sorry, I just want to mention something else. After the, the, the manager sent me that temporary layoff or they called me at home at night the same day, uh, I sent the email to the human resource and, I, and the human resource people call, called me back the next day and they talked to me and they asked me what I want. And they told, I told them, I will, uh, how come they, they let me only, they let off me only? Uh, well, the, if they wanted to cut hours, they could have cut one day from everybody and everybody would have been at work. And then when he said, I'm going to go talk to the area manager, and when they came back to me the same day, she told me that this week they cannot give you hours, but if you want to go back to work the next week, you get only 12 hours. Yeah. How come? 12 hours only? I said, yeah, because the business doesn't have enough uh, hours and income and this type of thing, and therefore you get only 12 hours. And who knows, maybe next week, the week after, you can get more hours. Bahram. Yeah. Okay. So That's why somehow, yeah, somehow they pushed me toward that the, I cannot get more. Therefore, I prefer to go to the unemployment because that was $2,000 a month. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, we don't have time during this call to go through every single detail of what happened. Okay. I understand. So you're going to have to call us to go through all the details. We're happy to go over all of that with you, but you're going to have to give us a call. John will give you the number. Okay. But based on what you've told me, it seems very likely that it's not legitimate what's happening to you. And, and you, with the help of a lawyer, you could go after a severance. If you don't do that, then technically you're on something called an infectious disease emergency leave. That's scheduled to end in July, at which point uh, your employer can try to put you on a layoff for 35 weeks after that. So we could be talking about well into the new year. So again, unfortunately, we can't go over every single detail right now, but based on what you've to told me, there's definitely a lot of concerns there. Uh, this is a, a, you know, a prime time example of a situation we deal with all the time. So uh, give us a call. We'll sort it out and, and we'll see what we can do for you. Bahram, thank you very much. And here is the number to uh, follow up with Andrew. Please do when you got a bit more time and the show is done. one 821 5900 That is the way to call uh, call through. Get a hold of Andrew and his crew. Help at employmentlawyer.ca works as well. But you still got plenty of time here now if you're thinking of calling through and uh, getting your own phone call, uh, phone call happening. 416-870-6400. Everything you need to know about termination for cause. Well, let's start with the definition, shall we? What is termination for cause? So a, a termination for cause is simply a situation where, you know, your employer is alleging that because of 
your wrongdoing as an employee because of something you you did, your conduct, your actions, it, it has taken the position that you know your termination is justifiable as almost a form of punishment. Um, so that's what we talk about when we say a termination for cause as a, you know, compared to a without cause termination where, you know, your employment is terminated, not because you did anything wrong, but because the employers decided for whatever reason that uh, it makes sense to move on without you. You want to call, like I said, you still got plenty of time. 416-870-6400 termination for cause. That's what we're, uh, we're tearing apart here and defining some of the terms. How difficult is it to establish termination for cause? So it it is extremely difficult, uh, very, very, very difficult uh, to establish a termination for a cause. So just because the employer says, I have cause to terminate you, does not at all make it true. It's not something that they decide whether something's worthy to terminate you for cause or not. So in terms of, you know, the legal analysis that we undertake every day, uh, that is one of the most difficult uh, burdens for an employer to satisfy is that it has cause for someone's termination. So even if you're an employee and you know you did something wrong um, and you can't deny it, nor should you necessarily deny it, uh, just because you've you've screwed up at work, made a mistake, um, conducted yourself inappropriately, don't think to yourself for a second that that means the employer has cause. The overwhelming likelihood is that the employer does not. You want to talk to Andrew, give us a call. Want to email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Is the length of employment a factor uh, when we're talking termination uh, termination for cause? Yeah, so so the length of employment is definitely a factor because the longer someone is you know works for an employer, the longer that someone's in the workplace and they've performed their duties, it's almost, you know, a form of condemnation from the employers. Oh, we're ha- obviously happy enough with this person to keep them around for yeah, I think we got a little bit of a, a little bit of connection issue with Andrew there. Let's uh, let's let him get reconnected. We're uh, trying to do exactly that now. Let's take a uh, short break and we'll continue with our uh, discussion about termination for cause, and uh, we'll come back with more employment law show right here, uh, Global News Radio. We're back. How about that? Just took a little bit of a pro- a little bit of a pause. We lost you there for a sec, pal, but uh, you're back with us. Uh, so there you go. Do you get severance, Andrew, if you are fired for cause? Does that happen? Uh, if you get fired for cause, you know, and it's and it's true cause in the sense that the employer could make it out and they can establish that it's something called willful misconduct or willful neglect of duty, then you would not be entitled to severance. Okay, but as we discussed before, just because the employer says it's cause doesn't mean it's true. So if your employer says in a letter, we're firing you for cause, don't take that at face value and say, oh, I get nothing. Definitely speak to an employment lawyer uh, to determine whether or not uh, you should uh, pursue a severance package in that situation. If someone's been let go, uh, you know, termination for cause or cause, how many chances generally do they have before it's uh, no coming back? Well, there's no there's no finite number. I can't tell you they get three chances, five chances, 25 chances. 
All I can say is that the more chances that someone has to rectify a concern in the workplace, the more likely an employer can later on say, look, we've given you an opportunity to fix this behavior. We've given you an opportunity to fix this conduct and you haven't. We have no choice but to let you go for cause. Now, the more severe the misconduct is, the less, the fewer chances an employer has to give the employee. Whereas the less severe, uh, usually it requires more uh, warnings, uh, you know, more warnings to that individual that their uh, behavior has to be rectified. You know, we've talked about, uh, you know, in past shows, and if you're an employer, you got to, you know, build a case to terminate somebody for cause. You got to work on it. You can't just pull the trigger right away. How, how do they build that case? What's the best way to go about it? If speaking from an employer's point of view now. So from an employer's point of view, what you want to do is document every single concern. You want to give the employee verbal warnings, written warnings, uh, you, you know, have them, you know, in paper, have that employee review it, acknowledge that they've received it, and hopefully, you know, agree to it, or at least give them an opportunity to speak to why, you know, they have concerns with the allegations. But, you know, the more that uh, the employer is formal with the process, the more they document their concerns, uh, the better off that they'll be. Uh, because if they let if they let an employee do the same thing time and time again and they don't act on it, it's going to be actually exceptionally more difficult to ever allege just cause because the employee can take the position, how the heck did I know what I was doing was wrong? No one ever said anything to me. I've been doing it this way for six months or a year or two years. The number 416-870-6400 to call in for the remainder of the show. you still got some time, so uh, so bring it on. Phone lines are open. Don't be bashful. Your questions answer every everybody's question who's wondering as well because you won't be the only one. So fear not to uh, pick up a phone and give us a call. Want to talk about uh, how the employee deals with that uh, buildup of termination for cause. We'll probably cover it in our next topic here, and that is dealing with criticism, uh, discipline, pad performance reviews. When should an employer take measures to deal with a problem employee and, and and what measures can they take? I know we we get phone calls about this all the time. Someone who's an employer, they got a you know a bad egg for lack of a better term and they just want to they want to cut the cord. How do they go about doing that? Well, I mean, it really depends. You know, the benefit when we talk about cause or without cause at 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 its at the crux of it at its core, what we're talking about is should an employee get severance or not get severance, right? So oftentimes as did we lose Andrew again, (laughs) we lost him suspension and, you know, communicate what the issue is so that eventually they can get to the point. I I heard, I heard our uh, producer in the background go, Oh my gosh. Hello. (laughs) There you are. Hey, do you back? Are you broadcasting from Mars? Hello? We're not sure at this. Yeah, we got you. Are you there? Can yeah, you hear no, us? No, I'm sorry about that, guys. I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. You still there? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I can hear well, you. We can hear you as well. It's showing on good. my end of our connect. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. We got you. Everyone else can, too. Oh, so, good. I keep going. Where, for the benefit. Pick up where you left off. Can't even remember now. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, so where are yeah, no, I can, I'm, I'm good. We've done this so many times that I think it'll be... Okay, but, uh, you know, what what I was discussing was um, kind of the, you know, the buildup of progressive discipline so that by the end of the discipline, you know, you can fire someone for cause and you could say, I've tried so many ways to help fix this employee's behavior. They're not changing. I have no choice but to let them go. But another solution, which is very simple, 
if you're an employer, just fire the person without cause. You know, you might not have cause yet to let the person go because they're problematic, but you haven't disciplined them. You haven't warned them countless times. Um, but you've just got to the point where you're like, I already know I don't want this person here. It's not worth it. You could still let them go. You're just going to have to pay a severance package, right? Right. Um, yeah. But that might be a worthy trade-off. So you can't necessarily live your whole life as an employer trying to build up a cause case just to avoid paying severance. Sometimes what's easiest is just let the person go, pay them their severance, and just move on from the situation. Now, if you're on the receiving end of that, if you're an employee and uh, you, you, you agree that there's a legitimate reason for the corrective measure, what should that employee do? If you agree with the, with the reasons? Yeah, you're kind of like, okay, then, guilty as charged. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it might be counterintuitive, but what you want to do is, you know, accept fault, right? Like accept, you know, wrongdoing and that, you know, you'll work to improve it, right? Because one of the worst things you can do as an employee is lie. Uh, lying is what leads to a breakdown in the relationship. And when an employer wants to fire someone for just cause and not give that person their severance, it's a very easy thing to do once the employee starts lying. So, you know, what will look better on you as an employee is to own up to, okay, you know, I could have done this better, but maybe I need a little help here, there, or the other, or explain why it didn't happen. Oh, we're going to give him a sec. He'll be back. Trust me. Trust me, he'll be back. And Andrew, we believe. Com communicate that. Let that be known, right? So, so that's definitely what you want to do. Now, the flip side of that is uh, the employee, nope, doesn't believe it. I don't agree the bad review or disciplinary action is justified. Then what do they do? So on the flip side of that, you, de you definitely want to communicate in writing why you do not agree with the allegations that are made out because you want to have a paper trail if the employer does eventually try to fire you for cause. You want to have a paper trail in place where you've communicated the reasons you disagree. And if the employer constantly overlooks those reasons, then they'll be very hard pressed to say they have just cause. It'll look more than anything like an employer that's just trying to do what it can to get rid of you. It won't look sincere, right? The more sincere things look, the better they are. So if you disagree, express that not verbally, but in writing. And if you ever do have a verbal conversation regarding, you know, your issues about a disciplinary warning or, you know, anything like that, a suspension, make sure that after the verbal conversation, you do a follow-up email where you're saying, you know, as per our discussion today, we hit on these points, this was said, that was said, this is my position, I just wanted to make sure everything was clear. That way, there is a paper trail, even though the conversation happened verbally. If it becomes too stressful, this whole situation, can that employee take like a medical leave? Can they pull that uh, pull that card or no? Well, if an employee needs a medical leave because their doctor agrees they need a medical leave, then they certainly can, right? Um, there's nothing ever stopping an employee. I, you know, the employer, if, if they want to terminate someone for just cause, then they can they can do that, you know, when they feel comfortable doing that. But if they haven't done it and the employee is still an active employee of that organization, absolutely, there's nothing stopping them to go on a medical leave if, if that's what their doctor suggests is the best course of action. Can that employer now, if they're, you know, they just simply had enough, can they let this employee go for cause uh, without severance pay if they don't uh, improve after their first warning? 
the, for the person that went on the medical leave or just generally? Just in general, somebody who's been told to improve and they don't prove it. So the employer says, you know what, I'm going to let you go. No severance. Well, that's obviously going to be very situational, right? So it depends yeah. what what the warning was for. It depends on, you know, how much time elapsed between the warning and the termination. If, if you tell an employee, hey, you know, we want you to start uh, doing A, B, C, or D, and then two days later you fire that person for not doing it, um, unlikely that termination for cause will hold up. Whereas if you give that person warnings uh, and then maybe a second warning a few months later and tell the, you know, actually warn them in that letter, hey, if you don't fix this in the next three months, four months, we're going to have to highly consider terminating you for cause. An employer will be much better off in that situation. Want to get to an email or two before we wrap for the uh, the night? You still got a couple minutes if you want to get a quick call in there, but uh, you only got about three four minutes, so we'll uh, we'll get to this. Jonathan writes in says, guys, as a result of the pandemic, business has been doing a uh, has been down a bit across the board. The owner's been freaking out as he lives a very expensive lifestyle, and I don't think he planned for this. In July 2020, he suddenly changed our performance targets to make them higher in order to put more pressure on us to make sales. When I didn't hit his target for the end of 2020, he fired me for cause, no severance. Is this legal? Oh, well, <laughs> that's a interesting situation. That's something that comes up very often. Um, and no, that absolutely would not be cause, right? So if an employer moved the targets, uh, you know, if you're expected to make 500,000 in sales and out of nowhere, the employer says, hey, we want you to hit 750 and you don't hit it, there's you can't be held liable for that because the employer is just moving the the goalposts without kind of your agreement or or not even in a rational way. So you know if the employer there is freaking out because they want more money and they're trying to you know light a fire under their employees to to work harder, you know they can let that person go. But I'd say almost no chance. It's just cause in that case. And wouldn't they have to to provide that employee with with some structure or roadmap of how to increase those sales if, if it's such a quantum leap? They can't just say, "Here, go make more money." Like obviously, they'd have to give them a plan, would they not? <laughs> I yes, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, if they're you know if their customer base is limited such that that amount of money is not feasible, then okay, then give them more customers they could potentially target. Uh, you know, if, if they need to go get leads. Uh, for this individual to access or teach them how to get new leads and, and get new business, uh, that's something they should consider as well. But if if now the target is unreasonable um, or or it's elevated to the point where you know you need new skills, you need to uh, approach things in a different way, or even you know new responsibilities um, in terms of access to different customer bases, for sure an employer has to be involved with that process. They can't just say go get go make more money. I mean that would be great. I th- I'm sure they'd love if they made more money, but uh, it, it doesn't mean that that's uh, you know a legitimate thing to do by any stretch. Yeah, you got a bit of a plan of action before you start canning people out of the workplace for sure. Look, it's been an interesting show. Appreciate the phone calls, the emails, and uh, and all of it. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it for tonight. We're gonna be back in here Wednesday night, of course, and then the weekend shows to follow. You want to follow up now with Andrew or a member of his team at the firm? Simple here is how you uh, you do that. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number pocket. Uh, pardon me. Help and employmentlawyer.ca is the email address, and you can go to Pocket Employment Lawyer for all things having to do with employment law. That's uh, anonymous, but there's a contact button at the top right of that as well, and included in that is a severance pay calculator. 
You can run through that particular metric and see what would uh, you would be owed if it ever came down the pike that you were let go. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. Back on here Wednesday night. Have a great night. Stick around, though. On Point will continue with Alex Pearson next. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.